0: Hi everyone, my name is Nick from Track Heroes and today we are talking to a a lovely ex-crew from Emirates named Sheila. Hi Sheila, how are you today?
1: Hi Nick, I'm good. Thanks so much for having me.
0: You are very welcome. Now, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, like I guess a, a brief rundown of your a general life story I guess, aside from the charity work. Who is Sheila, where you're from, that kind of thing?
1: Okay. Well, hi everyone. I'm Sheila Tedore de Forest. I'm originally from the Philippines, and I was with Emirates from 2004 to 2012. And I joined aviation because I was still working at the British Embassy in Manila at that time. But I I felt like I can do more and expand my horizons. And I saw an ad for Emirates, and Went to the agency, submitted my resume, and made it through the process. So
0: 2004 to 2012. Yes. So was eight years. So you started a mm-hmm. year after I left. I, maybe we flew together. Oh. I don't know. I, I started in 2011. Maybe. So you never know. Well, what grade were you? Were you first class or senior?
1: I was uh, FG1 when I yeah. left. Best position, yeah. hey? Best position, (laughs) I actually stayed there for about five years. Nice. Yeah. I could have gone for SFS, yeah, or purser even. But by the time I was like inching toward that thought, Mm. I got engaged.
0: Ah, I see. And that was your cue to think, okay, I'm going to to resign. Yes. Yeah. And, And what do you currently do?
1: Well, I'm an online fashion reseller and social entrepreneur. Okay. I help communities and artisans in the Philippines, and that's what I sell online here in the U.S. Oh, okay. So I get to help artisans and community members produce their products oh. and help their heritage and traditions live on. Because these people, a lot of their children are not going into the family business because they think it's hard and not a lot of support in some industries. That the kids, when they go to college, they go into careers that they studied for they don't go home and join the family business, so right. through um, social enterprises, we can actually help them okay. like get their products to market right. and generate awareness and help them modernize like use their designs in modern I have suppliers that traditionally their items are are usually made as mats but now they sell them as bags or purses or other home products. Oh, okay. So they evolve, yeah. But yeah. at least you know the traditions, the weaving traditions are kept alive. So, so you're well. basically
0: targeting the U.S. market with yours, or is it a worldwide? Yes, right I
1: now, can't... yes. Wow. Um, it's it's easier for me. Although with COVID nineteen, it's a bit harder to source because normally I go home to the Philippines to meet with my. Partners and see them during Manila Fame, which is an artisan and um, handmade product trade show. Okay, so cool. it's it's harder to source these days, but mm. we're we're plugging on.
0: Yeah, of course, it must keep you busy then.
1: A little bit, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> it's actually now, it's going to be a question, I think, in how you managed to maintain that and the uh, charity work that you were involved in. I guess we'll get into that later in the interview. But I guess, firstly, you mentioned prior to this chat that as Cabin Crew, you helped mm-hmm. with relief efforts in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. And can, Is that how you started? Can you tell us like a little bit about where you began your journey mm-hmm. within a charity kind of field?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, when I was in college, I was a member of uh, different organizations, and around the holidays, we would do orphanage visits, and uh, we will organize, um, like, a Christmas party for them. Okay. So we will coordinate with our school, our college, and, of course, we have to ask permission if we can use the facilities during weekends. Yeah. And we would coordinate with an orphanage and work out the details with them. So we would come and pick up the, the kids, bring them to the zoo and the park. And then we will bring them to our school for games and a party for them. And yeah, so that's, you know, that's, I guess, the beginning of it. Yeah. And then when I joined the British Embassy in Manila, we have partners with different Nonprofits and non-governmental organizations through the embassy, so we get to work with them. Mm, so that's okay. part of my exposure yeah. with uh, development work. And then when I was in Emirates, of course, one of the reasons why I went to Dubai is because, of course, I will earn more money flying than what I would traditionally earn back home. Yeah, and. The Philippines is actually one of the countries that has been experiencing an increase in the climate change effects. Like the storms are getting more frequent and stronger. And when I was in Dubai, there would be strong typhoons that would come through. And of course, the Filipino community in Dubai is huge. Yeah. And they would call for relief of donations, uh, money, food, canned goods, clothing. So we would organize amongst ourselves and bring that to the Philippines as part of the relief efforts. And I would also donate to different communities back home. And I also helped our village Mm. uh, rebuild our community church. uh, Because my parents are still heavily involved in the village and organizing and participating in the church activities and so they actually had to raise funds for mm, the church mm. so i also donated to that because our great-grandfather was one of the people who actually started that church oh, so wow okay so, that's
0: generations <laughs> so
1: of, um, it is generational yeah. so i felt you know it's also a responsibility like for us to keep to keep the church there aside from that and you know like they get to do Activities with with the children during Christmas. I'm not sure what they'll do this year though with COVID. No. So so that's part of it. Yeah,
0: okay.
1: I guess, <laughs> that's how I got my start.
0: Yeah, I guess being close to home for you as well with mm-hmm. with it being Philippines, with it being your family, mm-hmm. it really gave you that sense of wanting to be be involved and and share mm-hmm. your I guess ability of you know being mm-hmm. crew and so forth, being able to go home and and. You know, having the extra income to mm-hmm. support in different ways, you know. I guess it's an organic way of embarking on your journey to where you are mm-hmm. now. It does seem like you have and have had a lot of passion towards this kind of endeavor. Through your time flying, did you find this to be a chance to really explore what you wanted to do? Obviously, you helped back home in the Philippines, but did this flying opportunity make you think, oh, wow, I can actually embark on something bigger?
1: Well... When I was flying, I I was, I flew a lot. Mm. <laughs> I can tell you. Yeah. I mean that time, yeah, I used to swap days off uh, for flights as well because I I had a mortgage. So okay. that was eating up a chunk of my my salary. So I was flying to secure my future because I was single. I was single for several years, so I was thinking of myself. Yeah. How How can I plan for retirement?
0: Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, like, you know, have a little nest egg in the Philippines. And after I'm done with flying, I can go home and probably be a businesswoman or, you know, move on from flying. So my community work or charity work mainly involved financial help.
0: Yeah, I see. Just and, directing your um, money to a certain place. Yes, yeah. okay. yes.
1: But still, the, the desire to help was there. Yeah. But of course, I had to prioritize that time, my own future. Yeah, but of course. Um, I guess the guy upstairs had other plans for me.
0: Things happen for a reason and obviously mm-hmm. where you are now is being... I guess, the culmination of this journey from the flying and moving to the U.S.
1: Yes. So so basically, your
0: mind wasn't already set on something in particular already at that point. It sort of came later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So as you say, you moved to Colorado in Mm -hmm. 2012.
1: Yes. Would you say this correct. is where
0: the journey really began in earnest?
1: You can say that because as a new immigrant, we can't work without a green card. So I came here in 2012 and we had to get married within 90 days because I came on a K-1 visa. And yeah, so just to get the paperwork started, it takes a while from application of your fiancé visa. To becoming a citizen it was a five-year process so in between that i'm doing my social entrepreneur business and one day i'm like maybe i can start volunteering i mean i had you know a bit of time on my hands because i'm not working in a real office my time is flexible so i can schedule my day and work around volunteering as well so i started looking for nonprofits here in colorado that i can reach out to and possibly help. And I love fashion. I'm a girl. (laughs) 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 And I'm a model as well. So it's like I'm in that
0: environment, industry and environment. Yeah. yeah.
1: But I've never been a stylist before. But I've worked with a lot of stylists. And I'm like, maybe this is something I can do. And I found Bella Boutique. And they they actually helped underprivileged girls okay. be able to attend formals and prom wow. I did realize okay. that, that proms are so expensive here in the US it can run up to the thousands of dollars Ooh. for one night and I was shocked how can girls even afford I mean of course there yeah. are you know affluent families or even upper middle class families yeah. who can afford to send their kids to prom on you know with their own pocket but not a lot of people can afford to go.
0: Families I guess are already paying for the schooling in in some but, regard, whether it's for the fees or for uniform or books or, or whatever well, it might be. Uh, then, yeah,
1: but you know like in public schools here, they provide free education. But okay. of course yeah but of course there are fees that are involved as well but but prom you know it's something that is a big chunk of their budget i mean the families have to think of their rent of their food of you know like expenses like their daily expenses so luckily i went and signed up to be a Mm -hmm. volunteer and i think it was probably their last week of prom season and it was a good way for me to be oriented Mm. with their operations because they weren't busy that day they take in appointments because it's like a boutique yeah and you set up an appointment with a stylist and they get matched when they arrive with a stylist and so I was like you know shadowing the other stylists and I saw how they run their program and that got me really interested so I came back like I've been going back like almost every season now and it's it's amazing like these girls come from very humble backgrounds Mm -hmm. and they they're referred to us by their school counselors or advisors okay and they come to the boutique when we're open because we we advertise before prom or formal season starts Mm. so we advertise that the boutique will be at this location because we change locations every season and okay so it's not like a set no okay because we will run overhead costs on the days or the months that actually there's nothing going on so to save on that we store the gowns and the accessories and shoes at the storage facility when it's off season and then we set up the Mm -hmm. boutique in time for, for prom or formals so we advertise that and then even for volunteers we get the email like we're opening up for this year's or this season's prom or winter formals or whatever formals they're doing. And then they you can actually book an appointment or a schedule. You can book one schedule or you can book several schedules or sign up to be a stylist. So that's what we do. And then we come to the boutique before a shift. And it's always a new orientation every time because they change the layout based on the footprint of the space and yeah but if you've been a volunteer before it's a it's a bit easier because you know how the styling part runs it's just a matter of familiarizing yourself where the gowns are like you know because we sort them out by sizes and length yeah so you know it's easier for us to like bring our clients to to show them the gowns or clothes and you know because we dress them from head to toe for
0: free so shoes as well and yes jewelry that kind of thing jewelry
1: Free bags, uh, purses, nice. gowns for free
0: yeah, wow. uh,
1: from donations from so, the community.
0: So these dresses are donated from, what are they, made by a specific uh, different designers that have donated? Or where, how does that come about? Well,
1: a lot of the donations are from residents because we advertise that, you know, people can donate gowns. Oh, and, yeah. yeah, and, you know, parents would drop off their kids' gowns from previous proms or oh, formal. Okay yeah and then there also there are some boutiques that actually donate their inventory right cool. the ones that didn't sell, so it's it's like a tax write off for them when they donate yeah. to a charity or a non profit so so, these so it girls... comes from everywhere
0: oh okay, sorry, <laughs> and do these dresses they come to you mm-hmm. then they'll be given to a girl for their prom mm-hmm. and then it's like a a free rental kind of thing or it'll come back to you afterwards or these girls keep the dress
1: well it's actually up to them we give them the whole outfit yeah. and some of them actually give it back
0: oh okay yeah, so by and choice yeah by
1: choice yeah. yeah but if they want to keep the dress the the whole outfit it's up to them okay, and, it's nice. yeah it is it's really nice and some of them give it back and some of them actually volunteer oh, as well okay, yeah great, with right? the boutique and even yeah. their parents or the moms volunteer as well because mm. they saw the kind of work we do yeah. So for them, they're a beneficiary of the nonprofit. They feel like it's something they can do as well.
0: Let's give back. Yeah. Yeah. So I was going to they ask. G- give back. I, I was going to ask where are most of the volunteers from? So I guess you've answered that. But in addition <laughs> to that, can anyone become involved, or is it more for those with they have some kind of a fashion stylist kind of background like yourself?
1: Well, you know what? We we welcome everyone. You don't have to have. Uh, real background in fashion. Some of them, some of our volunteers actually are from different charity organizations as well and mm, they're filling up their, <laughs> their requirement for community work. But you don't have to have a background in fashion. Having the desire to be able to help mm. is
0: Good enough. Good enough. Yeah. And okay. of
1: course, you know, even if you have just a little bit of interest in fashion, because of course you have to help the girls decide mm. and style them. Yeah. And yeah, maybe just a little bit of interest in fashion would be helpful. Yeah. The desire to help for me I think is the greatest requirement <laughs> yeah, or cool. yeah. I'm guessing <laughs> you don't
0: get many guys in there. Trying to come and help.
1: Well, you know what? I don't think I've ever met a male stylist. I think I should ask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, if we've ever had offers yeah, for yeah. male styles, or maybe I haven't met anyone nah. during the shifts I've done. But <laughs> yeah, you know what? There's a light bulb moment there. You are. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Nick.
0: No, no problems at all. I'm, I'm full of full of ideas. <laughs> Now, I guess more of a a, a serious kind of aspect of this Mm -hmm. uh, regarding the girls, like you said Mm -hmm. there, they've come from humble backgrounds, but Mm -hmm. how do they end up in this kind of predicament? I mean, it's not a. A bad predicament not being able to Mm -mm. afford a dress because i know it's it is a big deal it's expensive and Mm -hmm. so forth but is there like some kind of pattern in regards to their financial level or is it like a single parent or only one of one of the parents Mm -hmm. are working or that kind of thing
1: well the girls basically i guess you know they come from from low-income families and some of them are families of color so they come to us and they're they feel a bit insecure especially the probably the first time clients a bit shy to Uh, ask for the the help yeah yeah and they're not aware that you know it's that we actually give them the full outfit. So it's dealing with them is, I mean, I think being a cabin crew and being used to dealing with different personalities between crew or passengers. Passengers, like A lot of them are from humble beginnings as well. So it's just we, we can feel or we can gauge how we approach those people. And I think that training also translates... To this kind of volunteer work that I do, and um, you know, helping the girls come out of their shell because I tell them, you know, we won't stop until we find. The dress. (laughs)
0: Mm, That's cool. The personalized experience.
1: Yeah, because it's like you know, it's like saying yes to the dress because it's a special night for them. Yeah, of course. And um, so so yeah, so we let them decide as well, like you know, gain confidence in themselves. Yeah, of course. That they can make decisions on their own, and this is actually a learning point for them and helping them build on life skills.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess they're choosing a color, choosing a -hmm. a shape of the dress or whatever Mm -hmm. is a, a basic question, but it's an important important answer that yeah. a girl has to sort of uh, or a guy if it's a, for a succeed or whatever for yeah. it might be they need to be able to make that choice you know because mm-hmm. it, it comes in handy in a, a later time in life whether it's going to a mm-hmm. job interview or going mm-hmm. to a you can't always rely on someone else to to Mm -hmm. help you do it. So for you guys, giving them the opportunity to make the decisions, but to obviously give them advice and so forth Mm -hmm. is a very important step, I think.
1: We can give them what's available on the floor. So that's why we ask them, you know, basic questions like, do you know what size you wear? But of course, with formals, it's one thing I actually learned on my own as well when I was Mm -hmm. looking for my wedding gown. I was looking at the sizing. I thought my dress size or normal dress size would be the size that I would look for when looking for a wedding gown. But turns out formal wear sizes are bigger in number. Yeah. So I normally wear like a 4 to 6 CUS. But in formals or wedding gowns, I could wear up to 12. Oh, okay. And if you're not used to that, you will get a complex as well. It's like, oh my gosh, like, did I get I'm so
0: fat, bigger? i you know? Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow.
1: <laughs> I know. And being able to shop for my own wedding dress and experience that is a handy guide for me as well. Because I would ask him, what size do you normally wear? So, okay, all right. She would tell me, like, say, I normally wear a 10. Hmm. Okay, I would tell her, don't be shocked that <laughs> you know you might be trying something that's like size 16 so it's better for us to size up and then we can size down right. and so you know to give her more options in terms of color and silhouette and fit so it, it's a great skill
0: <laughs> yeah i'm sure i'm sure <laughs> to have. now i know we spoke about the girls making decisions and so forth but mm-hmm. uh, do mm-hmm. you do you feel these girls Benefiting, like obviously, decision making. Mm -hmm. Do you feel the girls benefited in some way other than just getting a dress for the biggest night of the year? I guess in a personality kind of way, Mm -hmm. maybe?
1: I think so. And it also opens their eyes into opportunities for them to also give back to the community. Mm. Because I think volunteer work is not just for people who have extra time or extra money Mm. you don't need to be rich no to be a philanthropist no but even if you have a humble beginning actually i think bella boutique helps them or they get the idea or that light bulb moment that you know i can help and give back to people and think bigger
0: yeah okay think
1: think outside of themselves as well but you know it gives them the confidence
0: yeah i was gonna say the confidence would be a very big Mm -hmm. big thing as you said in in the sense of making decisions but Mm -hmm. i guess seeing themselves in the mirror once they're fully Mm -hmm. dressed up and so forth must be wow it's
1: a wow moment and we actually (laughs) we don't put the mirrors in the dressing rooms Ah. the mirrors are outside like in the public area they have to come out okay they have to come out so mom or whoever is with them can see and even the other people who are with other girls they can see that this girl is like you know basically sashaying in full regalia with the gown with the shoes and they're like oh my god so we asked them from 1 to 10 how do you feel in this dress it's not how does she think she looks in this dress but how she feels feels in it and she's like some of them would say um this is like a five and we're like, so we asked them, so why is it a five? Or why did you rate it that way? Because five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So we know the next dress that we pull from from the racks, we can take into consideration their opinion. So we can like, you know, we can probably get another cut or silhouette or another color. But you can tell like when they really love the dress.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. They light the up and they're up. like, yeah. they,
1: they twirl more and they're... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they have more like feedback on it their mom or their friend or teacher would ask like so is this the dress <laughs> 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 it's exciting for us as well and it's humbling
0: i was gonna say it must be be able to be
1: part of that process yeah the
0: amazing feeling for you being able to see the transformation of Mm -hmm. of each girl not just Mm -hmm. in their the way they look but in the way they're Mm -hmm. sort of i i I guess you can see the thinking process if you know what i mean Mm
1: -hmm. yeah each girl is different yeah and um we actually pivot at for every client that we do Mm. during our shift because we do have four-hour shifts So we help quite a few girls whenever we come. So each client is different. So when we're done with a client, we go back to, you know, like our registration area and they're like, okay, next girl all right we start the process all, over, all again. over again we get to know the girl we yeah. ask questions and yeah. interact with them
0: just the whole personal approach of everything must mm-hmm. make you guys feel good but it, more importantly make every girl feel extra special
1: mm-hmm. you know? like yeah they feel yeah. like they're a princess yeah. or princesses <laughs> or I'm queens
0: sure, I'm sure yeah I'm sure <laughs> does, does this cover the whole of Denver so obviously you do. You, you pop up in different locations each year mm-hmm. but yeah. you, you're welcoming girls from all over the, the city
1: well Actually, we welcome girls from all over the state and beyond yeah all over Colorado and I've had clients who came from Wyoming, which is our border state. Border, okay. Yeah, we are open. We're open to everyone, and uh, so that's why we ask what school they're from, and we ask them what their theme is as well. So they come from all over Colorado, and Colorado is uh, it's not a small state either. So some families would have to drive like maybe an hour and a half.
0: But it's a big deal just to get to us. Yeah, for sure. If it's the way they need to go about getting addressed, then Mm -hmm. it's an important night. Make the most of it. Yeah, and go, yeah. we're
1: we're here we're here to help.
0: Is there an option within if it's Colorado or, or even Denver mm-hmm. or in, in the states for high school boys to get tuxedos, perhaps for their big night?
1: With Bella Boutique, actually, we are focused with. Girls. Right. I'm not sure actually if there is a nonprofit that provides for tuxes, tuxes or opening yeah. opportunities for male students to come in. Because the thing is, with our own inventory in Bella Boutique, we have a lot. Yeah, I see. We have a lot of gowns on the floor okay. and even still in storage. So throughout the year, we would do sales. We'll open up the boutique for community members or volunteers to shop. So whatever we raise during... During that time, would go into the nonprofit coffers as a fundraiser, and we also donate some of our gowns to other nonprofits or similar nonprofits because they may not have as many inventory as we have, and you know to help them boost their inventory.
0: Yeah, okay, gotcha. so
1: we haven't really explored the tux part, but I can probably no. ask them to Maybe like you know, provide more opportunities. I'll for move kids. to Colorado
0: and start doing the styles <laughs> for for the guys. <laughs> it, it seems that working and supporting young girls was something kind of important to you. Well, you you mm-hmm. embraced it. Does this carry on to? old women as well?
1: Yeah, well Bella Boutique has a limited season and I think it was like probably a couple years ago or maybe more. Probably at least three years. So our season for Bella was winding down and I'm like, I wonder if there are other styling opportunities for me out there. And I googled and found Dress for Success. Mm. They're a global organization and they actually have one in Denver. So I looked over their website and I guess it was serendipitous that I checked at that time because they were having a volunteer orientation a few days after uh, no way. the day I went to their website. And I'm like, okay, so this, lo- this looks interesting. And I signed up okay. and I went to the volunteer orientation and met other ladies who are new as well so we were in this meeting room and gloria she's one of the staff for dress for success denver she gave us a brief of what they do and they took us around the facility and it's actually a boutique as well right. and they just moved to that boutique it looks like a store it's set up like a a store or boutique yeah. where business attire is on the floor right because we cater to women who are rejoining the workforce after a life of abuse or they've been incarcerated. So these are women who are disenfranchised yes. and they come to us through Mm -hmm. their counselors and we provide them a full service so they can come and they have mentoring for interviews and help with your resume. And when they do get That interview appointment, they come back to us and we will dress them from head to toe as well for their interview to prepare Mm -hmm. them with business attire. And when they get hired, they come back and we will provide them about, I think, six or seven sets of business attire. Yeah.
0: That's amazing I, I guess giving them one set would be a bit pointless
1: yeah and they need like at least that starter pack yeah for them to be able to at least have the basics yeah. of uh, business attire and then they know as they get paid they can build on their yeah, of wardrobe yeah, yeah
0: how did it feel to see these women when they would come in to dress for success was it a strange feeling like knowing that you've been quite successful with with work and so forth
1: It's humbling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's actually humbling because these are women who are also insecure. Yeah, I'm sure. Financially, socially. So for them, it's a big step for them to be able to go out and have that at least urge to be able to provide again for their families. Especially some of them have been incarcerated. Mm. So they haven't been, you know in part of the community for several years and this is an opportunity for them to go back to the real
0: world. Were you able to offer some kind of worldly advice to them or, or was it tough as many of the women would be possibly older than you and and maybe look down on, on you being a younger woman or intimidation maybe?
1: Well not really well I'm not that young.
0: <laughs> Come on.
1: <laughs> I wish Nick but like, I guess, you know, that being able to work with Bella and, you know, being flexible as well helps me look at, you know, the personality or get the feel how their personalities are and yeah. see where I can probably give them tips with work or their interviews because we ask them, same thing, we have this intake form mm-hmm. and so we ask them when their interview is, what are interviewing for so that's part of the styling process
0: and I guess you have to adjust quite intimately in a a sense for each woman depending on Mm -hmm. their background and and the kind of person they are because they're obviously much more mature than the girls from Bella they've had a lifetime and their personalities have developed already so so it must be quite tough um,
1: it's different and I haven't really experienced the looking down part because some of the women actually even come are. Younger than I am. So I'm Mm, like a big sister to them. Yeah, but I guess having that experience with Bella makes me more patient as a stylist because it's different. Mm. When you're catering to these girls or women, Mm. it's... For me, it's an amazing experience to be able to help and contribute my experience in fashion in this way.
0: Can you give us some examples of perhaps some success stories for mm-hmm. any of these women that have, you know, maybe mm-hmm. them come back and told you their story?
1: Well, not with me personally, but mm. actually, dress for success. In their website they actually do have success stories that oh, they feature yeah, yeah. Okay. and a couple years ago i walked in their fashion show where we raised eighty thousand dollars
0: pardon me wow
1: <laughs> yes eighty thousand dollars in mm. one night for their programs and they also had some of their success stories uh come and be part of the program and share how dress for success was able to make an impact in their lives that's amazing
0: i'm still blown away by eighty thousand (laughs) dollars that's serious money that's serious money and
1: but um dress for success is it's a year-round service so they really need that money to be able to afford rental
0: for the boutique I've just just had a quick look online I was just I was about to look mm-hmm. for the information on some of these success stories, but I've just come across mm-hmm. that there is affiliate locations in twenty five mm-hmm. countries one hundred and forty five yes. offices yes.
1: 12,000
0: yes. plus volunteers and mm-hmm. 1.2 million women served. Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: So given that profile of Dress for Success, I actually looked for opportunities when I was in Asia 2 years ago. Okay. And I saw that the Singapore Dress for Success was actually having their charity walk and I'm like, I have time that weekend. So I flew from Manila to Singapore and met with the Dress for Success
0: people. That's so cool.
1: There, yeah, and they actually got the kick that I am actually a Denver Dress for Success volunteer. So that was it. Yeah, that was fun. And I'm still in touch with Elizabeth and the other Dress for Success Singapore ladies through That's LinkedIn. So cool. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's amazing that this organization that you would think is... Mm-hmm. I would never have expected it to be such a huge worldwide organisation. Mm-hmm. I guess so many women around the world are benefiting mm-hmm. in such an amazing way. Yes. How did you go about finding both of these places? I know you said you wanted to do something to do with fashion and so forth, but mm-hmm. was there some kind of thought process criteria in the sense of how this organization was in regards to their reputation, Mm -hmm. money going to the right places. Mm
1: -hmm. When you look for nonprofits to work with, it's something that it has to align with your values because you're lending your time and your voice to these causes and nonprofits so they have to be aligned with your personal ethics yeah, and yeah. um, values and looking at their profiles when I do choose to work with a nonprofit I look at their programs what sector of the community are they working with and some of them do publish their Financials, in order for them to be transparent. So that's that's kind of how I look at or gauge which nonprofits I work I'll work
0: with. Do you have some quick tips, maybe, that you could give listeners on how they can go about getting involved in something like this and choosing the right charity mm-hmm. or organization?
1: Well, we're blessed, you know, with the internet. It's like yeah. you can Google, and even in my own city here in Golden, Colorado, they actually advertise opportunities for volunteering. So when you have maybe cities or organic organizations that kind of do like a network thing. So, some of them they already vet right, the see. nonprofits. Mm, okay. So the the legwork is kind of done for you. So it's just a matter of going in and looking at the nonprofits that they have. Yeah, and the one and, that suits what your yes, where your drive comes what. From. Yeah. Yes. Or some of them like you can sign up to be a volunteer. Okay. And then they will ask you, like, what your interests are, and then they will match you, ah, okay, with non profits, right. okay. But but I also like being able to choose personally the non profits that I'll work with because you already. Can do your research as well yeah. so at least when you do your volunteering you already have an idea what happens yeah for sure but with covid i signed up for volunteering work through my city and then a lot of the opportunities that opened up are actually packing food for communities oh, for wow. families okay. yeah. and yeah i was able to look at the organizations that they matched us with right and then there's one that's called jeffco eats It's a program that they provide food for families of kids who go to our public schools here. So they give groceries and produce for the weekend. The kids get food during the day
0: in school. They
1: have the feeding program. But then, of course, during weekends, they're off school. They get that extra help. But Mm. then, of course, with COVID-19 that kids are now homeschooled okay. so they can't eat in school so that's why every Friday the parents would come mm. and, you know it's like a food bank where people okay. would drive up and they get their groceries and produce for the week I so yeah, that's, cool. that's part of the volunteering that I've been doing during COVID-19 so okay. there's two opportunities
0: Lastly oh, we've had a lot of questions a lot of information we've gone through <laughs> Lastly can you give our listeners something inspirational at all to take with them maybe to help them be empowered or, or for them to encourage others to do the same
1: well volunteering actually or helping in your community is something that we can all do it doesn't matter what age you are or what's your financial situation i know a lot of people are hurting out there but you can still set aside the time to be able to help. For me, what I get from volunteering is priceless. I can't put a price tag on it. The joy that I receive from people when we were able to have in-person volunteering opportunities. So you see the faces of the people you help. And oh my gosh, that's that's really priceless. So for them to be able to reach out to their communities, even in very simple ways, COVID-19 is a challenge. But you can still have that opportunity to be able to help and extend a helping hand to somebody who has less than you do.
0: The helping hand part really is something that we could all do.
1: Anyone can do it. Yeah, <laughs> I actually course. just gave a, a talk on volunteerism oh, okay. with Youth Proyecto Philippines for their right. Eco Festival Philippines. Oh, okay. I guess being a beauty queen, volunteerism is part of the crown, but it's actually not. I became a volunteer before the crown. So it's anybody. Anybody yeah, can do sure. it. Anybody and, can help.
0: And we're going to talk about your beauty queen Um, things in another episode so I'm sure people are going to be very intrigued about that side of Sheila's life and how it's obviously uh, entwined how it's entwined into the volunteerism as well Mm -hmm. so thank you so much Sheila for sharing all of this with us some very interesting things for us to think about and to take on board so we will have you back again and I'm sure people are going to look forward to that thank you again
1: Well, thank you so much Nick for this opportunity And I hope your listeners will come back for our next episode.
0: (laughs) I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. Thank you very much, Sheila. It was a pleasure.
1: Thank you so much. Same here.
0: You're very welcome.